Welcome to Rare Infrastructure Podcast. Today we're talking to Shane Hurst, who's the Portfolio Manager for Rare's Income Strategy. Shane, welcome. Thanks, Peter. Shane, how do you assess whether an infrastructure stock is likely to meet your criteria for inclusion in an income fund? We have a number of criteria which is both unique to the infrastructure strategy uh, as well as core to Rare's process. Uh, the first step is inclusion in our income universe, our, our universe we can we construct uh, at at rare f- of of income stocks. There's about 160 stocks. There. That's globally. That is that is globally. We look at a number of criteria um, for inclusion in the universe. We look at infrastructure exposure, infrastructure quality. We look at liquidity, and most important for the income strategy to distinguish it from the value strategy is we look at a uh, yield quality measure and a yield screen. Once we've constructed the universe, uh, we then do our, our, our very detailed thorough company analysis. We do a lot of asset-based analysis uh, to make sure we extract the underlying cash flows from those assets uh, all the way through to the, to the listed equities uh, for the time period that we, that we own it. So as part of that, we do comprehensive modelling, uh, we do detailed qualitative work, uh, and in the end, have very detailed discussions with key stakeholders and other interested parties. And the final step, which is which is very important, is a portfolio construction and how we put together our income strategy portfolio. Uh, here we look at uh, guidelines, uh, risk budgets. Uh, the primary measure for Rare to invest uh, in infrastructure stocks is what we call an excess return, and that's across all of our strategies. What's unique to the income strategy is we also incorporate our secondary measure called yield quality. The way yield quality works is we look at uh, the absolute size of a dividend yield, we look at the growth of dividends, and then most importantly, we look at um, the coverage of dividends uh, from free cash flows. Uh, so through a, no- through a number of processes, we come to in- include these stocks in the portfolio, and then we do a lot of risk analysis to make sure we have the right risks in the portfolio and we aren't taking too much risk into the portfolio in certain areas, and, that, and that's looking at guidelines, we look at... Uh, various modelling, as well as obviously the experience of the team. Yeah, Are there any particular sectors that you see um, as more prospective for income than others? What's important is that res process is very stable. Um, The sectors that tend to dominate the portfolio are utilities. So we tend to have about 80% uh, utilities in in the strategy, uh, which is higher than the value strategy and a number of the indices uh, out there. And what about markets? The portfolio tends to be dominated by developed markets. The reason for that is that you tend to have more mature assets there, which generate higher, uh, more stable cash flows. Uh, in the end, though, we do run all these stocks through our process. So if they do fit that criteria, they'll be included in the portfolio. But certainly developed markets tend to feature in quite large weights in the portfolio. What about the issue of biases? Are there any biases in built into your process that might hinder infrastructure's role as a diversifier in a portfolio. Is that an issue or not? Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, look, we, not at all. We do have a bias, obviously, to to utilities, uh, but those utilities are global. uh, And and what this strategy delivers is defensive growth. What's important in this strategy, as opposed to value, which is more balanced, is that we are able to protect on on the downside. So we have a 0.36% beta on the downside, but still can capture upside, so 0.65. And, and so as a result of that, what you'll find is we do provide that very good downside protection uh, with that higher weight in global utilities, but still get diversification globally. 
of course, with income, it's quantum and sustainability, and mm. I'm sure sustainability is the biggest issue. How do you go about assessing whether income flows are not a flash in a pan, but that are sustainable over the medium term and worth investing? We look at the volatility of cash flows over time, how that flows through to dividends and through ultimately to income. Uh, again, yield quality is the primary measure that dis- distinguishes this strategy from uh, the value strategy and, and a number in, in the market. And we do do very detailed long-term uh, dividend analysis to make sure we just get a very low volatility of cash flows, uh, which ultimately comes through to the uh, dividends received by stakeholders and shareholders. When a stock becomes on your radar, how long could it take from the time you start looking at a stock till you mm. press the button to invest? If there's an opportunity that presents uh, during the day, uh, we could we could turn around in two three hours and and, and invest in a stock. If if we're all over the detail, we have current modelling, uh, we understand uh, the dynamics, and we've spoken to key management and and stakeholders. It may also take two to three months to do the adequate research to actually get comfortable with a stock. So we have the ability to be dynamic, but our process is a long-term buy-and-hold process, um, make no mistake. So we tend to um, have a bad... So the really quick decision would be less typical than uh, the study yeah, decision? Yeah, we, we have a lower... We are a lower turnover strategy. Specifically talking about income, mm. how do the stocks that you're investing in differ from, say, global REITs, Australian REITs, uh, global equities and Australian equities? What makes... Uh, what you're looking for mm. in infrastructure, a better income proposition than, say, mm. uh, REITs of any kind and equities of any kind? We've been very successful in this strategy because uh, we stick to our knitting. So uh, we, we invest in contracted or heavily regulated or regulated uh, utility assets. These have very stable cash flows. These are essential services. If you compare it to your REITs or your global equities, they tend to be more cyclical, more seasonal. You tend to not get the stability of, of, of contracting and long-term uh, regulation to support that, that type of cash flow. And as a result of that, what flows through to your dividends tends to be more volatile. So if you go back to 2007, 2008, uh, what you saw was a number of the REITs um, have to adjust their capital structure as markets were very volatile. You didn't see that as much in, in infrastructure stocks globally. In fact, you saw the opposite. You saw global infrastructure stocks being able to take advantage of volatile markets by issuing very cheap debt. Uh, and that's, they're the characteristics that, that we extract from our uh, infrastructure assets uh, all the way through to our, port, our portfolios and the outcomes of the portfolio. Well, it, it seems that this strategy has been quite popular in the uh, mm. US and UK particular, yeah. but a bit of a sleeper in the Australian market. Yeah. Why is that? And, and uh, are you addressing that issue? Yeah, look, this, the strategies perform well. I was taking a step back, quarter one on, over the one and three years, which is great to see versus competitors. Uh, the strategy sits at about $1 billion US dollars uh, and it's grown, as you pointed out, um, very well in, in Australia sorry, in uh, the UK and the US, there are a couple of reasons. The value strategy has been dominant in this market and, it, and, it's, and it's been a feature of this market since, really since global listed infrastructure became popular in Australia. What we're seeing now is as we come towards the end of the cycle, the income strategy is providing a different risk return profile that, that we, so we are at on. an inflection point. Correct. And, and so, so what that'll do is that'll provide a great opportunity for, for investors to kind of ride out the next three to five years, which is likely to be far more volatile than the previous 
uh, three to five years. So as a result of that, we are pushing the product and, and really bring the product to the market. And do investors and advisors uh, understand that we're at that inflection point or not? Yeah, look, we've we've done some some marketing. Uh, we've we've done a number of presentations to the market. I think most investors look back at the GSC, look at the period of time and what what we've seen in terms of economic indicators, and certainly believe we're towards the end of the um, economic cycle. And I guess the other big issue relating to the Australian market is franking credits, mm. Uh, mm. and we're on the cusp of a federal election. There could be a, a change of government. It certainly looks like 50-50. Um, <laughs> What will, if the Labor Party gets in and mm. there are changes to the franking system, mm. will that impact on how you invest and, and impact on your investors, or, or yes or no? My understanding, it's, it's, it's all about excess franking credits and, and, and that not being paid out in, in cash. Taking a step back, we have five stocks we invest in in Australia. Australia is a small part of the portfolio because it is a global strategy, and that's really important to note. Uh, most of our companies don't pay the full corporate tax rate. So what you're likely to see is possibly a reduction in demand for your higher franked um, companies, your banks, you know, your, your Telstra's, those types of you know, high tax paying, high, high franking paying type stocks. Uh, but for, for our assets, they actually may be neutral to slightly positive in the end because they don't pay, pay franking credits, so they never had that demand aspect. I'd point out though, and this is this is this is very important. We don't value franking credits in our analysis. We don't look at the value as it comes back to shareholders because we are a global strategy. We have we have so uh, there are bonuses if they're there as it so were they for are, the, yeah. the local. So local so we don't we don't in our process we don't we don't take those into account. So it's really it sounds like it's not going to affect no. what you do or your investors that much. Correct.